welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 70. And for those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad you found this podcast. Would love if you would subscribe. And as always, you can reach out to me on all of the socials at flores.run. We have a a fun episode today. I think it's going to be an inspirational story. I think we're going to get a lot out of uh, a story from our guest today. We met on clubhouse like you've heard from a few of my guests recently uh went on a clubhouse bonanza and just started saying who wants to be on my show who wants to talk to me let's do this uh and this this is no different so uh yeah welcome to the show thanks for joining me today Anna. thank you thank you so much for having me yeah i think it's going to be a good conversation hopefully people get stuff out of your story i think they will if they don't they're not listening and they need to listen to this episode (laughs) again maybe this is the second time they're hearing me say that um but what they Take what they will. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't want to waste any time and, and kind of like jump right into it. So if you can let the listeners know maybe a little bit more about yourself and then kind of jump into your story as well. Of course, yes. So my name is Anna Cantor and wow, um, I will do the elevator pitch as you so, as you put it. And my, um, my story comes from... Um, it started about a decade ago. My mother was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's and frontal temporal lobe dementia when she was 56 years old. And I was in my you know mid to late twenties and living abroad. And I moved home to be her caretaker and it really just changed my life. Um, I, I, pretty much was her full-time caregiver for about four years until her disease progressed. And I felt it was kind of out of my capacity to care for her and move her into a memory home. Um, The last 10 years have been just being her kind of her advocate and her care manager. And I, last year I decided to pursue a certificate in life coaching and become a dementia care consultant And I've put these pieces together, kind of these pieces of the puzzle to find purpose in what would have been otherwise, um, you know, kind of a life fraught with sadness and despair and regret in a way. And now I have a consulting company and I coach caregivers on kind of finding their path while they're dealing with challenges um, with Alzheimer's and dementia. And that's pretty much my, my story. I think it's super inspiring because I actually have a friend as well that um, in really similar situation, her mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and, and she was doing the same kind of thing as a caregiver. And unfortunately her mom had passed away. It's probably been five or six years ago now, but it was the same kind of idea of, of trying to have, I would say have your own life, but find yourself while you're also kind of giving so much of yourself and you know obviously fast forwarding here you were able to turn that experience and be like hey how can i help others going through similar circumstances and situations but what was that was there like a specific moment or something that that kind of sparked this of hey you know obviously you said it became a little outside of the care that you could provide so you kind of had to, to have that little bit of separation but what made you kind of click knowing that hey maybe I can be a life coach and kind of support people that are going through this as well. So it was, I, it was almost a long, a long journey. It's, it is, it has always been in the back of my mind on how I could use my experiences 
for the greater good and to help others. And I think that that's one of the, that's the only thing that really gave me a sense of purpose and worth as I was going through my mom's um, diagnosis. And so people would turn to me for guidance and comfort. And, you know, after she went to her home, I, where, where I had been a caregiver for about four years, I kind of had a void and I didn't really know how to fill that void anymore. So I went through a few different career changes. I was a, a an advocate engagement manager for a company and an executive assistant. And those were really stable jobs, but at the same time, I was looking for how to give back to this community. And I think the most powerful thing was hearing other people's stories who were in the, in the same position as I was years ago and feeling like they didn't have support. They didn't know where to turn. They didn't have somebody to guide them or somebody to coach them, you know, and they were also kind of losing a sense of their identity because all of a sudden you go from being a child to you to being a caregiver and it's such an interesting dynamic shift that needs to you know really be attended to carefully and so you know they were going through these shifts and they didn't know where to turn they didn't know who to look to and I was able to say I've been there I've I've seen this I can give you perspective and insight and so it wasn't kind of this aha moment where I thought, oh, I'm going to be a, a consultant and a life coach. It, you know, I really kind of have COVID to thank for, you know, a little more free time, a little more downtime in order for me to sort of do some research and get the education and the certifications I needed to pursue this. But I almost think of it as kind of 10 year journey that led me to where I am today. Um, just the pieces of the puzzle just really came together. Yeah. I mean, you, you make a good point there of the, I, your experiences are, are really what's making you successful now and being able to help other people because without those experiences, you know, it's just another piece of paper, you know, that you're certified to be a life coach. And, and it's just another thing that you could have done. It could have just been another job, but because you had that experience, you kind of give people a little bit once you have skin in the game, but you understand, you understand what people are going through in these circumstances and you can talk from real world experiences, not just, you know, textbook ideas. Right, exactly. And I, you know, I think that it does give me sort of the, the leverage, you know, to bring, you know, my wisdom and insight. And I notice, especially on social media, how, how many you know, what, what are so-called millennial caregivers out there. And I think typically people think of Alzheimer's and dementia as happening a lot later in life, but it's really prevalent in, you know, what's now, um, I guess, the, you know, the baby boomer generation of people that are in their 60s and 70s are being diagnosed with early onset. So their children who are in their 20s are feeling the need to stay home and take care of their parent at such a young age where what are you supposed to be doing in your 20s, you know, graduating from college, pursuing a master's degree, traveling, just finding yourself and finding your direction. And all of a sudden you're kind of pulled into this new, um, you're, you're pulled into a different realm. And so I think, you know, and on, on top of that, it's how do you find her purpose in this, you know? And one thing that really helped me 
find my purpose was to really stop thinking of it as I'm a victim and I've been, you know, my mom, of course it's sad. And of course it's devastating that, you know, your, your loved one has this disease and they lose themselves and it's so hard, but I really, really tried the best I could to kind of get out of that victim mentality and to really turn it into something that could be uplifting. And that didn't really, that didn't come easy. It came with a lot of, you know, help and, you know, therapy and coaching and guidance and, you know, just realizing that at the end of the day, I feel so much better turning this into a positive than being stuck on what I don't have. You know, I still, my mom is still here with us and she's in a home, but she's the very, very, very late stages of her dementia journey and she's on hospice care. And, but it's like, instead of saying what I don't get to do with her, I think, what do I get to do with her? I get to go, we get to listen to music. You know, I get to sit with her. I get to read to her. Um, But it's just, yeah, I think it's just really changed my mindset and how I look at and how I appreciate things around me. So that's one of the biggest takeaways I've had from my journey. Yeah, I can imagine because when we originally were, were talking on Instagram, this you said that victim kind of thing. And I think a lot of people sit with that where it's a, to your point, if you're in your 20s and this is you're supposed to be living life and finding yourself and figuring out who you are as a person. And then next thing you know, you're having to, you know, take care of a family member. Again, a, a sad situation that, you know, you don't, you don't wish that on anyone, but it's hard to not, sometimes get out of that almost like selfish mentality of, well, where, where do I fit into this and what's happening with me? And sometimes you see that with like, if you have siblings or anything like that or other family members, it's like, why aren't they taking care? Like, why am I having to do all of this? And and it can fall into that. But I think your your mindset shift was is kind of the key part there, right? It's this idea of, you know, what do I get to do? Not what like what am I not what am I missing out on? What am I blessed to have the opportunity to still do? And, you know, to kind of be there, like you said, as you those experiences have now led you to where you are today. Yeah. And a lot of the, the individuals that I'm working with, I, I try to make it very clear that it is very important that they still pursue their passions and they still have a specific, you know, drive in life besides taking care of their loved one, if there's something they wanted to do. And my purpose is really to give them back the bandwidth in order to do that. So some of the, you know, behind the scenes administrative tasks, you know, looking for a long-term care facility or dealing with challenging behaviors is something that I can step in and coach them on. So it's easier so that they feel like they have kind of the mental mm-hmm. um, or they have, you know, the, the bandwidth and the energy to approach what was their purpose and what was their passions, you know, without their caregiving sort of getting in the way of that. Um, and so a lot of it is, you know, restoring this balance and this harmony in their lives that they lost because, you know, they feel responsible for this other person. So I just, I just really try to step in and do as much as I can, you know, on their behalf, but also give them the tools in order to sort of find a greater good in everything, you know, find a reason behind it and, you know, take get rid of that victim mentality. 
Um, and it's true because you do want to put blame on people and you want to say, well, I have siblings. Why aren't they stepping in? And I think understanding also the grief process or, you know, why some people kind of step up as, you know, care partners and some people sort of avoid that. And I had to deal that with my own family. I have two brothers and it just fell on my shoulders and um, it, and I, I, I look back at that time in my life and it was 2010 to 2014 was when I was caring for my mom. And I kind of look back at these emails that I wrote my family and it was just, they were just filled with bitterness and resentment and almost, almost to the fact that it really could have torn my family apart. And there's a statistic out there that I, it's about four and five families will suffer and will be torn apart from dementia and Alzheimer's four out of five families, which means one family kind of remains. And I don't really know the definition of torn apart on if it means, you know, they don't talk to each other anymore or <laughs> they kind of go separate ways, but you know, so it's very, it's very objective or subjective. But um, I, I think that my brothers and I somehow maintained this really strong bond after that, you know, I realized I'm going to thank them for what they are giving me. I'm going to thank them for the support that they are giving me. I'm going to, you know, they all have different levels of, of grief and they all are, are vulnerable in different ways. And I think that some of them, you know, they had to retreat in order to kind of preserve their integrity around losing my mom and losing their mother. And um, yeah. And so I, I just look back at these emails and I, I, I don't regret writing them, but it also propels me into this, you know, into this vision going forward of, you know, getting out of that mindset where I do feel targeted and I need to kind of lash out at people because I'm hurt mm. and I'm upset and I'm sad. Um, and so I know there's, there's so many, you know, consulting companies out there that help with families with dementia, but I think the coaching part of it is so vital because it gives you really the tools to shift your mindset in case these issues come up in the future. So I just, you know, want to set people up for success and how they handle um, feelings of sadness and devastation. Yeah. I think that you, there's two things in there that I had to write down because they're just really good about how you, you broke them down. The first one, which was the latest one is this idea of everyone kind of grieves differently and everyone kind of handles situations like this differently. I remember many moons ago, my, now wife's uh, grandfather had passed away and I had never dealt with any sort of loss that was close to me. Like everyone's been, you know, people that were in their nineties, hundreds, and it's like, well, yes, this is about time that people die. So yes, that makes sense to me. Um, but it was, I was super young when this happened and, and I didn't know how to handle that situation. And I remember it was such a battle between us because I didn't know how to react to her. Like, do I not bring it up? Do we talk about old times? Cause I had never met him. And I was like, how do, how do you kind of go through this? And I can imagine in a situation like you coach and, and you were going through yourself, this idea of when you're in the thick of it, it seems like no one else is caring. Why am I the only one caring? Why, the, why, why is it only affecting me? When in reality, it's affecting everyone. Your brothers were also affected, but it's just how they were able to show it to kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, keep their shit together. You know, like how do they hold themselves together in these circumstances? Because that's, that's probably more of my thing. It's, you know, I hope my parents are around for a lot longer, but when that time does come, 
it's, I think I'm going to be that kind of person where it's going to be like, it's, it's going to, I'm going to hold it all in. And that's not necessarily healthy in most cases, but it's when, when those things kind of happen, how do you react? And I think you, you make a great point of understanding that and knowing that, Hey, people are different in this is where that coaching piece comes in. Cause sometimes if you just have grief counselors and stuff like that, it's, they're telling you the textbook answers of how you should feel, let it out, you know, let your emotions go. And, and some people like, that's not necessarily what people want. Yeah, that, that is so true. That's such a good point, how everybody handles grief differently. And I think, you know, as a society, we are a long ways away from being able to, you know, teach or being able to coach people on how to handle grief. I think that, you know, we, there's so many different types of grief. There's, you know, with, with Alzheimer's and dementia, it's, it's what it is, is it's anticipatory grief because you're losing someone each day, you know, a little part of them is dying and what they, what they can and can't do. And, um, and, and then there's, you know, everyone, yeah, everyone reacts to it differently. You know, some people might need, a lot of comfort. Some people might need to be alone and feel isolated. Some people, and that's another thing that I am extremely passionate about learning more on is working with, you know, grief and trauma coaches and counselors in order to, you know, be a better asset to the people that I'm coaching and my clients, um, or either like referring them to somebody who might have more knowledge and and information and, and insight into, you know, grief and loss and trauma. So I think I had to recognize that, you know, I had an older brother who was pursuing a dental, he was in dental school and my younger brother moved away to California to, you know, be with his wife and her family. And I now reflect back and think that they were sort of preserving or my younger brother was preserving himself and he, he didn't really know how to be vulnerable around my mom and see her decline so rapidly and it doesn't mean that they cared less and it doesn't mean that they were you know i was actively doing more you know book work but i i now i don't i don't have any grudges i'm not remorseful about it um i'm just like yeah exactly the more i learn about you know the grief process the more i can you know understand and really respect their decisions at the time and respect what they needed so, yeah, and I, it's the challenge, yeah, the challenge with working with clients who are care partners is understanding how they respond and react to grief and, you know, really, you know, coaching them and giving them some tools on whatever their specific, you know, you know, personality is, you know, maybe they turn to an inward and maybe they need to journal, you know, maybe they need to, you know, exercise <laughs> to get, to let their grief come out. Maybe they need to talk to somebody, maybe they, they need to kind of internalize it um, and then process it later. So um, yeah, it's, it's hard. And I hope that, I think there's a lot of a lot of good resources out there, um, and I think navigating those is also something that I, you know, like to to assist with and, and guide people on. 
Yeah. I mean, and then the other point kind of goes along. It's, it's like you're reading my notes. Do you have like a special camera right here? Cause it's just, you're literally going through my next thing I wrote down. <laughs> no, uh, the, uh, the idea my elves are off duty today. <laughs> They're reporting back. Um, this idea of kind of giving, giving your clients and the people you work with like balance and kind of giving them some of that back where it's, Hey, you know, I can see it being overwhelming with everything you have to do, especially, you know, with long-term facilities and then planning and then understanding, like you said, every day it's, it's, it's just a little worse than the previous day. And how do you kind of manage that in your sanity? But, you know, and then again, pursue your own passions and your desires and everything you kind of want to accomplish in life and, and not wrapping your identity up in, in that specifically. But this idea of <clears throat> giving people, giving people the tools to understand how to get that balance. I think that's the biggest piece because we can always tell people it's like, Hey, this isn't who you are. You aren't this specific thing, or you shouldn't have your identity tied with like a title or something like that. But it's when you give people the tools to be like, Oh no, this is how I can actually bring some space into my life, bring a little bit of freedom and balance into it. You said earlier talking about, you know, as much bad that COVID has done, which obviously anybody listening to this understands that it hasn't been a, it hasn't been a walk in the park the last 14 months. That being said, there's been a lot of good things that have come out of it from kind of reflection and, and kind of personal growth of understanding what is most valuable to you and probably realizing that those things that are most valuable to you aren't things at all. It's the relationships you have. It's the experiences you have and create. And I think being able to, again, reframe that victim mentality, you know, we could, we could all sit here with everything of what do you mean? I have to sit inside, you know, wearing a mask and can't see anybody else with my family. Like I want to strangle my family. Like, no, I don't want to like, please let me out of the house. But you have this, like, it, it kind of, we could have had that victim mentality. It's like poor me in this situation. But I think a lot of us, because of the amount of time we had to sit in it, kind of realize like, oh, wait a second. Like, let's, let's count the blessings I have. It could be a lot worse for me. And it, it has been a lot worse for, for families and stuff. Like with hangry, we deal with food insecurity and that sort of thing. And those numbers are growing through the roof. And it's all because of this. And it's like, how can we kind of count our blessings, but at the same point in time, how can we give back to those that, that are in need at this moment? Yes. So many good points. Um, yeah, I think just, you know, focusing on personal growth has been sort of the key message of the past 14 months. And, you know, I, I try to, you know, I try to, one thing that really helped me in my mind's my mindset shift is, you know, not wanting from a place of scarcity, but wanting from a place of abundance. Mm -hmm. And when you want from a place of abundance, it really allows you to focus on what you do have. You know, if you say, Oh, I wish I had this and I wish I had this. And I think of, I have this already, you know, and it's not, I don't want something because I am not fulfilled and I'm not content. I want it because it's going to uplift me or it's going to, you know, give me a greater sense of value. Mm. Um, so I think first of all, it's, yeah, I think that's just, I, I love that message. Just wanting from a place of abundance and not from scarcity. And with 
coaching people on, you know, maintaining their passions and their drive and their goals, it, it, it really has to be small. It has to be small or else it's overwhelming. And that's another thing I say, okay, what do you have? What do you have right now? Okay. Well, they have, you know, do you have any time to journal? Do you have any time to take a walk? Do you have any time to appreciate nature? And just those really small baby steps in order to, you know, invite sort of that positivity, you know, back into their lives. Um, I think I also, um, I'm a, I'm a certified yoga instructor and I offer clients, uh, yoga courses if they work with me. So I'm also really love talking about yoga in a way that speaks to the masses and isn't too, you know, overwhelming for people. I don't, I don't, I don't expect somebody to, you know, curl up like a pretzel right away. So, (laughs) but I think just, you know, offering them, a little sanctuary where we can chat one-on-one and they have a friend, they have someone, you know, holding their hand through the process um, is just helps, helps them in so many ways. And on top of that, I can, you know, offer them that guidance and, you know, the, the yoga, if they need that, but then if they have certain challenges with their loved one, offering them coaching and consulting on how to deal with those, um, those certain behaviors or those, you know, communication styles that you need when interacting with somebody in a, with dementia, because it is so different than just interacting with somebody who has a healthy working brain and healthy cognitive function. Um, but back to what you mentioned about just COVID giving you a sense of, you know, restoring, restore, reestablishing freedom or reestablishing balance and kind of reflecting and, it's, it's been quite a journey, right. In the last 14 months to, I mean, there were times that I, you know, I had two kids were out of daycare working and just a lot of craziness and it's okay. I think that's another thing. It's okay to be, you know, kind of upset in that moment and be unorganized and to be frazzled and to feel like you're at your wit's end and, you know, want to go away and, sleep in a tent for a night because then you have some peace and quiet and tranquility, (laughs) maybe not a tent. I mean, I remember, you know, going and sitting in my car just in the front in the driveway or taking a meeting from the car because it was the most peaceful place I could find. (laughs) It's quiet in here. Yeah. And, um, it takes hard work. I mean, it's a mindset shift. It takes, it takes, it takes work. Like just like anything in life, just like, you know, training for marathons or, working up to a yoga pose. It takes practice. So I just, I don't want clients to feel like it's daunting and it's not achievable because it is attainable to find that balance and to find, to reestablish your purpose. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I think, I think one piece you kind of said, and you, we've hinted on it a few times is this idea of, sometimes the goals or the ideas can be kind of far off. Like they can see too bit too big for us to do. We running a marathon getting into a yoga pose. There are certain things when I tried to do yoga, I see the guy like, I use like daily burn and stuff. And he does that. I'm like, yeah, you go ahead and do that, bro. I'm going to sit here. I'm just going to watch you. And I'm gonna wait for the next one. Like I'll do child's pose. Like I could do that. Like I could just sit some places if that's what you need me to do. But we have these, these things where we always try to go zero to a hundred. 
And we forget that in order to get there, you have these little steps along the way. I'm, I'm dealing with a, an injury right now and I haven't been able to run and it's aggravating me beyond belief. Like I just want to go run and I'm like, all right, tell me all of the exercises I need to do right now. I will do all of them and then I can start running again. They're like, no, 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 no. It's going to take some time. We need to, you know, we need to build this up and that's really everything in life. And in these circumstances, like you said, is you don't want your clients to kind of feel like it's too much of a task. So they just might as well just suck it up. Like, Hey, it's going to suck and I'm just going to have to deal with it. And, it. and it doesn't have to be that it's finding, finding the purpose in those moments and knowing like, Hey, every small little thing you do is another step towards whatever that end goal or end purpose is. But you have to make sure you are doing the little steps and kind of accepting those little wins, knowing that any little progress is still progress. And I think a lot of people kind of lose that mindset. Like you said, it's, it's all a mind shift, mindset shift, because if you don't have the right mindset with it, it's instantly going to turn back to that victim card, instantly turning back into, well, why can't I get this? Or, you know, you go on social media, which is it's for social media does a lot of great things. And people that listen to this podcast know that I've complained too much about social media, even though I'm always on it. But the idea of it, there's, there's too much of a comparison. And when you're looking at someone else's, you're looking at someone else's Instagram reel and comparing it to your camera roll and wondering why they're not adding up. And it's like, well, it's because you're looking at the best of the best of the things that they're, they're going through. You don't see the day-to-day -day struggles that people are going through that kind of say, okay, here's my small steps and here's where I can get to a, a bigger picture. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I like the the thinking that something is too much of a task. And I think when specifically when you have, uh, when you're in a, a caregiving situation or in your care partner, what's really tricky is trying to adapt to the mind, to the cognitive ability, not adapt to the cognitive ability, but be able to respond to situations appropriately because of the person does have dementia. And it's almost like they revert back to this childlike state. So you know, I think celebrating the small wins and identifying what those wins are is really important for care partners. Um, because when you are caring for somebody with dementia, there are things that they do that are very, they kind of like, they kind of have this childlike innocence. So, you know, being able to, to do artwork or something, or being able to just you know, go out in nature and smell flowers. You really have to take a step back and appreciate kind of the small things in life because that might be all the stimulation they can have or they can have for that moment. And so it really allows you to appreciate kind of those small things and take a step back and, you know, identifying, identifying those small wins, you know, hour at a time or minutes at a time and um, not look at the really big picture because, you know, that person really won't, they won't be able to improve and they won't be able to get better. But I think just working with, with what they have and what cognitive ability they have left and what cognitive function they still have is, is so important in, for the care partner to embrace that and to celebrate those small achievements and those milestones along the way. Yeah, there's just, there, there's something about that that I think when you when you get your mind wrapped around that that concept of of recognizing the small wins and kind of almost setting them up to make sure you have those small wins when you get your mind around that it's hard to understand why other people haven't yet 
because I've gotten to a point now in my life where I can kind of see those small things and go, okay, I can, I can feel the blessing in it. And I can, you know, feel that, Hey, this is a win. I am taking a step forward and whatever it might be. But I do remember a time where that wasn't the case where all I did was complain about everything and nothing was right. Everything was everybody else's fault. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. It was just a never ending work pile. But I think once you just turn your mind, even if it's in something that's unrelated to what you're dealing with, once you kind of free your mind of that, I think it's hard to go back in anything you do because then you quite realize like, wait a second, like I apply this concept to other areas of my life. In my case, it was, it was really running that was doing it. And you know, I could apply it to running, but I can't apply it to my job. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Like it's the same brain. I'm doing in theory, the same mechanical motions of doing things. So why am I kind of playing the victim card in one part of my life and not the other? And it's like, oh, it's because you realize, no, there are small little wins or small little victories. And as you count those victories, you can then look back and go, look at everything I, I've done. Look at the people that I've helped. Look at each step along the way that has kind of made the biggest impact. I'm having that issue, I wouldn't say issue right now, but with Hangry, it's like we're, we were hoping for a lot more support than we have. And hear me guys, those that are supporting, I'm not, not complaining. Thank you so much for your support. But we realized that, hey, we've made a huge impact, but we needed to kind of reshift it. And in reshifting it, you don't carry everybody with you. And that happens, but it's understanding like, Hey, no, we're still making a difference. And literally my wife today, she texts me, how much was it? I don't want to mess it up. Cause I'll say a wrong number. Then people call me out. They're like, but that's not what your Instagram said. Uh, she donated, we donated 343 pounds of food today to a food pantry. And that was after we did 550 or 580 last week. And the week before that was like another 500. It's like, we are making differences and we're are, we are doing these little pieces. But if I got so caught up of why, why don't I have 30 volunteers for an event that's in three months and I'm not worried about like, Hey, what we're doing right now. Yeah. You're just going to kind of live in that just bleh and you're not going to kind of be, be your best you, which then in turn is going to affect everything else. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot about focusing on, you know, a good, something that's good and something that's bad. I think that our brain naturally wants to kind of compartmentalize, you know, all of these, all of our efforts. And so we constantly tell ourselves, well, I did really good in this, but then this, I was, you know, inadequate. And Mm. I think that kind of going back to, it's kind of a learning process and it's all about, you know, I think your thoughts really create your results. And that's one thing we really learn you know, as, as a coach is that the power of the mindset. So if you think about, it's not that I, uh, why do I only have 30 volunteers, but wow. Or we'll say we have, we have 10 volunteers. Wow. Why don't I have 30 volunteers instead of switch, switch your thought and think, wow, I have 10 volunteers. That's amazing. So therefore your emotion around that is excitement. And then mm-hmm. the results are going to be, you know, excitement and, you know, uh, you know, kind of a, gosh, am I allowed to say kick ass yeah. <laughs> attitude, you know? And um, it's just, and I think even taking from things that what you, you shift your mindset, instead of it being a failure, it's a place of growth mm. and, you know, just, um, just re reshifting your mindset in order to change, you know, your, your thoughts create emotions and your emotions can create your results. And so, kind of reflecting it to everything to having that abundance and coming from a place of, you know, positivity instead of 
negativity and it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of practice. Cause I do that. You know, I do that a lot too. I say, well, you know, business is, is thriving and yeah, I just I read, a, I read two books, but I haven't like gone to the gym in two weeks and therefore I am a loser and I don't work out ever. And, mm. <laughs> but that's the generalization really ever, Yeah, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's tricky. You know, we definitely want to put things in different buckets and we have one bucket completely full and we feel really proud of that. And if our other bucket is, you know, half empty, we, we feel inadequate. Yeah. And I think you just, you just said it right there, which kind of hits <laughs> it is this half empty idea. Mm-hmm. And you know, you hear that all yeah, the time. I did like, that on purpose. Yeah, I like, did that on purpose. I said half empty instead of half full. Yeah. Oh, I caught it. I wrote it down. <laughs> uh, but this idea of uh, this, I like that bucketed idea. We have like our good things and our bad things. And kind of what our mind says is exactly what you said is I've done all these great things. I've done all these great things, but then I also haven't done all these things. Like they don't cancel each other out. And I think that's where people is like, I've got five in this bucket, but I have seven in the negative bucket. Therefore I'm in the negative bucket. That's not the case. They're both learning opportunities, whether you're growing or you're learning maybe what not to do and to turn and to grow. They're both positive positives, if you reframe your mind to say they're positives, if you have that glass half full approach instead of half empty, you can kind of reshift that thinking and realize, no, every single thing is an opportunity. I've talked about it a ton of times, this idea of like people running away from failure and failure isn't a bad thing. Like I think it's, it's a good thing. You need to fail to know where limits might be or maybe how you need to adjust things to get better. Cause if every, if you go through your life and everything is just perfect, things aren't great. I mean, you see it with like, it's a weird example, but like childhood actors and stuff like that. Like you have like a Macaulay Culkin where this guy was just like doing everything he could possibly want, had more money than he knew what to do with. But then he grows up and he's not happy. He turns to all of these external kinds of things to bring him this happiness and this joy because nothing is no, nothing is stimulating him anymore. And then you you run into that where it's like, Hey, it, not to say he would have, but if he had failed, would have it been better? Would have he come out of it stronger and maybe on the other side of things? I think about with like Justin Bieber. I love me some Justin Bieber, but he went through some weird stuff, you know, and it's, it's how he's kind of turned it around where he, he's now reflecting on that and going, yeah, like that wasn't good for me. I could have saved a lot of pain and heartache in myself and my family members and my relationship and everything had I not done those things, but doing those things, I'm now turning it to good because now I understand and I can tell people and I can help people in these circumstances. Oh, wonderful. I, that's actually such a great tie in and lead into some other, something else I wanted to touch on. And that was giving, you know, the listeners kind of an example of where, you know, going rewind to the beginning of this podcast and kind of like what led me up to where I am today is, I want, I'm, I'm a very open book and I'm very transparent. And when I was caring for my mom, kind of imagine it as the worst version of myself. You know, I was caring for her, but I wasn't happy. And I turned to some very bad habits. I mean, not, you know, nothing like drugs or anything, but just some really bad spending habits, a really bad attitude, kind of a sense of entitlement. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because people around me were always saying, Oh, you're doing such a good job with your mom. You know, you deserve this. You Mm. earned this. You earned this gold star. And that was over a decade ago. And so I kind of 
brought that into my next phase of life into, you know, marriage and other relationships. And it was, I got into some really bad spending habits and I wonder if I can teach people tools in order like coping tools that, you know, aren't around, you know, instant gratification or um, just healthier coping mechanisms for something that they're going through that brings them, you know, anxiety, such as, you know, caring for somebody with dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, I wonder if I can, you know, give them a better, just, just better coping tools in their, in their life, you know, when other things come their way, you know, and I think, yeah, I, I look back and I, I didn't, I didn't do it perfectly. I mean, I was anything but really when I was a caregiver, because it was this label, this, this job that I really, really didn't want. I mean, I, and I was, if I, if I, if I had to be your caretaker now, I would have done it so much, so much differently, but I just, I almost want to tell people that, you know, it might trigger certain things, you know, it might trigger bad behavior and poor behavior and unhealthy behavior. And I, that's sort of what led me here. And I was, you know, I've, I started therapy when I was caring for my mom, I started taking antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicine. And I wonder if that was kind of a quick fix because, mm. you know, somebody wasn't able to coach me on really how to deal internally with those emotions instead of looking at the root of the problem, you know, they just wanted to cover it up with a medication. Mm. So I, I feel, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's a benefit to, I won't get into the whole, you know, yeah. Western versus <laughs> Eastern medicine. <laughs> that is not the point of this podcast. <laughs> That's, but that's part two. <laughs> I'll just say, you know, I, I, I do love both. I'm a, I'm a ice cream, dairy eating, chicken eating, vegan pescatarian, you know? So I got, <laughs> I got multiple, multiple personality written all over my face. <laughs> so, but I think it's interesting. It, you, you bring that up of this bad habits come up because people kind of tell you, you deserve this because you're doing these things. And it goes into the idea of people are around you as you got thrown into this. Like you said, if you did things now with the information, you know, you obviously would respond different. But in this case, it's like you're basically thrown into the situation of now I need to step in. I need to do something about this. And you don't really have time to consider options, if you will. And how am I going to react in this? So people's society as a whole, their idea of, well, you're doing a good thing. You need to be rewarded for said good thing not realizing that rewards come in different ways. Rewards aren't necessarily monetarily th things or things you can buy or things you can consume, but they can, can be an array of things. Like you said now of like being able to, uh, you know, whether it's like an art project or just going on a walk in outdoors or whatever with your mom and like that, that idea is where rewards are. But I think people are so ingrained in our culture that if you, in order to show someone you care or love about, love them, or it's like they need things. It's like, hey, go shopping, you deserve this. Or, hey, you know what? You may not have the money for that, but you know what? You deserve it. Go buy that nice purse or go buy, you know, go out to a nice dinner or do whatever it is. And no, I totally get that. Like, I didn't, it wasn't even a, uh, 
a situation like that with me, but it was one of those where I, I had money. I had a job where I was making good money and I was just like, yeah, I earned this. I'm going to spend every last dime of it. And it like, it makes me sick to my stomach to know how much money I made in college as a salesman at AT AT&T on like on commission and like how much money I made to, I had none of it left. Like I had no savings, no 401k. I literally spent every single dime. And the worst part is, I, w- I was living with a f- either my family or a family friend. I had no rent. I had no other bills than gas. So it's just like, what, like, what was my thinking of just like, nope, I deserve to do all this. And I think when we kind of find our purpose is more than the things we can buy or things we consume, we can't find happiness in those things. That's when you kind of open up and realize like, okay, maybe maybe there is something wrong. And then to your, like, your, your medication point of it, I think that is... Uh, it can be a struggle in a lot of things now is a lot of times these things are just used to, oh, your kid can't pay attention. Well, then they need to be on medicine or, you know, you're feeling a certain way. We need to be on medicine. And yes, these things help because they're literally chemical changes in your body and your brain. However, they're not the right thing for all circumstances. And a lot of times it just gets blanketed into if you're acting this way, then this, it's like, obviously see a medical professional for this, but unfortunately a lot of those people are getting kickbacks from the drug companies. So it's a vicious cycle. (laughs) It is. It is. Yeah. And another thing I, I kind of like to be transparent about is that I do have, uh, I think there is a benefit to having a therapist or a counselor. And I actually did not find or not really I did not really know what life coaching was until just recently. And it was because I was kind of in a place where I was kind of spiraling down. And I think COVID had a lot to do with this, where I was just so unhappy with life and my relationship and my marriage and my job. And I actually was pursuing, I was trying to find a life coach, a grief and anxiety life coach. And in doing that, I'd never hired a life coach. I actually, I actually decided to do a certification to become a life coach instead because I wanted to know more about it. And so one thing led to another. And I thought, well, I have been wanting to somehow coach people and consult with people who are caregivers. And it just led to another. And it just opened up all these doors. And in itself, it was almost my own, my own therapy. It was just, it was so therapeutic for me to start on this path of, of learning and, and then pursuing these certifications. And, um, I am, I, it was just kind of amazing how one thing led to another. And that's another example on just how I took this feeling of, of despair and, and, you know, discontentment and really turned it into a, a path of growth. And I, I just, something just, you know, clicked. And I think just kind of all the pieces of the puzzle came together. And I thought, wow, for the last decade, I've been dealing with my mom's situation and I've been also coaching friends and I have family members who they're uh, uncles who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so I've guided my cousins and I've guided friends and I attend a support group monthly through the Alzheimer's association. I attend the Washington chapter conference. And so I am, Uh, present in the community but now I've sort of I have this vision going forward on coaching and consulting caregivers and giving them the tools to cope and it really came from finding that for myself and 
you know, it's just, it came from a place of just truth. And, you know, I was just searching for, you know, really searching for myself. And in that I found a way to build this business and it's been amazingly rewarding and fulfilling. So yeah, it's been amazing. I think like kudos to you because just hearing your story, I mean, for literally from the beginning of what we've been talking about, this idea of you stepping up and, and being a caretaker and taking care of your mom and the situation she needed. And then realizing, you know, when it was your time to kind of take care of yourself, how in, obviously you were looking for help and then said, you know, the best way to help is to learn. And you kind of learned and did it. So like definitely kudos to you, but kind of like just putting it where you really need to be with it. And I think it's so hard sometimes for people to get honest and actually to say, you know, no, this is what I need to do or, oh, I need to make a change or I need to just do something different because, you know, you can't do the same thing and expect a different, different result. You know, it's just not going to happen. If you keep moving through the same way of life, keep doing the same things, keep hanging out with the same people, keep going to the same places, nothing's going to change. So how do you kind of disrupt that a little bit? And when you find that disruption, you can go, you're like, oh, wait a second. Like maybe, maybe I found something here. Like you said, it's you, you were looking for a life coach and now you are a life coach. And it's just how, kind of how that, that story turns. And now again, and I, I hate the, the quote of people say like, if you, if you look, if you find a job you love or like, you'll never work in a day in your life. Like that's bullshit. Like you're going to probably work harder because you love it so much. But this idea of now, like you said, you're, it's rewarding. It's fulfilling. It, it's kind of aligning your, your purpose is aligning with your values and everything you're doing is kind of just on that same playing field where it's not that it's not hard work. You just don't mind putting in that hard work. You don't mind the later evenings or the earlier mornings or any of those situations because you know it's aligning with everything you want to do. And like you said, your whole purpose of all of this stuff is helping people get through these situations that you that you are very much aware of and you can kind of help give them that outlet. Right, right. I love, I love the... Um, the mindset of just responsibility breeds empowerment, you know? So take responsibility for yourself, take responsibility for your actions and you really will feel empowered. And that's the same thing that I love the, um, the definition of insanity is trying to do something over and over again and trying to get the same result. Cause I've definitely been there. And that's another thing. I think you, you come to a point where you can no longer do in the future, what you've done in the past. Mm. And that is where true change comes in. That's where true insight can start to take its work, can start to do its job. And I, yeah, and I, you know, I started to find ways to just change my daily habits and my daily routine. And there are things that I stopped doing that I don't even miss. I mean, with, with pursuing the the consulting, I did a course through um, some a, a really well-known dementia, I call her kind of a dementia guru. Her name's Tipa Snow. And I am currently doing her course to become a care consult, a consultant uh, through her, through her training. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, after my kids go to bed, I don't watch Netflix anymore. And I'm not going to say I never watch Netflix. Of course, give me a good binge show. And I, I love it. <laughs> But I, 
I don't even miss it. You know, I just, I want to learn and I want to grow. And like you said, it doesn't feel like a job. It really doesn't. It just, it feels like something that I'm so, so passionate about. And that speaks volumes for me, especially as somebody who wasn't really sure what they were going to do with their life. I was never, never grew up thinking, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. You know, besides being, when I was really little, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut or a dancer or something like that. But you know, never really feeling like I had that sense of direction. And that's another thing. I mean, with your, just in your, the name of your podcast, Run With Purpose, my mom's diagnosis and her, you know, her decline and me seeing that decline and living with that decline and having a parent who doesn't know who you are, who it's, it's so sad, but I have made, I have found my purpose in that. I've found my purpose and I can give back to the community and it feels really good. It feels really good. Well, I appreciate everything you're doing because you're doing amazing stuff and I'm, I'm just super, super excited for people to kind of connect with you more and, and just learn more about you. So thanks for being on the show, but how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about, about what you're doing and everything like that? Yes. So I have a Instagram account. Um, you can find me at, sorry, at, at coach underscore Anna Cantor, C-A-N-T-O-R. And my website is coachannacantor.com. And I also have, you can email me at Anna at coachannacantor.com. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> Made it nice, just nice and uniform throughout. That's always nice. If you have nice any suggestions on how to do reels, that's what I'm learning right now. It's kind of hard, but it's also really fun. I, like I said, I'm an open book. I can be a little quirky sometimes. And, you know, I hope that resonates with people. This is, um, this is basically, this is basically me trying oh. to like be a TikTok star. I'm like, well, you yeah, obviously have to get a ring light and you have to do the whatever. And I'm like, I know my, that came in and my wife was like, what the hell is that for? I'm like, I'm doing makeup <laughs> tutorials on YouTube. Exactly. She's, like, she's like, what? I'm like, no, no, I'm just kidding. It was a joke. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I want to have fun with it. I want to have fun with my business. And you know, if you are a care partner, um, I mean, I don't know why, but I think there's this shift where people are starting to say care partner instead of caregiver because they really have to partner with the person with living dementia. Um, I am, you know, shoot me your questions. If you have a certain situation that is challenging, if there's a behavioral situation that's challenging, um, if you have, like I said, a passion or an endeavor, get in touch with me. Um, If you want to have a longer chat, um, I do the 60 minute consult um, completely without charge. And then we can go from there. You know, it has to be a good fit both ways Mm. to work together. It really does. And like I said, I am happy. I have so many resources in my back pocket. If you need a referral to something else or someone else, or you need help finding a support group, please get in touch with me. I want to help in any way possible. Perfect. Well, thanks again for being on the show today. You're very welcome. We'll have all of this her. such a great show. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I, paid, <laughs> I paid her to send that. I'm going to send her a check later. Um, <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> That's so great. Uh, we'll have all of your information in the show notes. So if you guys didn't catch that before, even though it's the same thing on every single platform, we will, uh, I'll have it in the show notes. So you'll be able to click all of that and do all of those fun things. Um, but to everybody else, thanks for listening.
I appreciate it. That was a, that was a weird, awkward silence as I tried to <laughs> hit the button. I'm like, where's my, where's my button to do this? But you can reach out to me on social media everywhere at flores.run. Uh, subscribe, leave a review of the podcast. Written reviews help a ton. Let's people know kind of what the podcast is about. And if you enjoyed it, and you please do that because that'd be great and people can find it. Uh, you can visit my website at www.flores.run. Uh, I'm updating it here soon. There's going to be some really cool things that I have planned for it, a little more interactive and a little more uh, able to reach out to me and stuff like that. But uh, again, hangry stuff. You guys know it. We are hangry.com. Got some new gear, got some new colors in our t-shirts. You can follow us on social media everywhere at, at get angry and hunger. Um, yeah, I think that's about all I wanted to say there. But thank you for joining me today. Remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time. We'll see you guys next week.